Welcome to Sojourn Grace Collective, a progressive Christian church in San Diego, where our mission is to foster spiritual, social, and emotional wholeness. In our community, we affirm all that makes you, you. We celebrate your gender identities and sexual orientations, your race and socioeconomic status, your physical abilities and your religious creeds, because here at Sojourn, it all belongs. This podcast is a replay of our Sunday morning teachings, and we hope you find encouragement and inspiration as you make your way through this week. You can visit us online at SojournGrace.com, where you can learn more about our faith community, discover resources to help you find wholeness in your life, and partner with us in our mission through tax-deductible contributions. Thanks for joining us today, and may you know, above all else, that you are a loved child of God, full stop. Welcome to Sojourn. Love you all. Okay, you want to so, tell them what we're doing now? Yeah. All right. So Kate and I, as we were sort of reflecting on this Sunday and sharing it with you, we knew we wanted to hear from people like Angela Jordan. Thank you so much, Angela. We knew we wanted to give a chance for those who have found us during virtual church world um, to just sort of share what that's been like. And we thought, what if we, I don't know, what if we just, the two of us kind of reflected on uh I don't know, some things that we've noticed and learned and discovered over these last seven years. And so we each came up with a list. Well, I went directly like seven things I've learned from the people at Sojo. That's, that was my interpretation. I love it. I love it. And mine's just called Seven Insights for Seven Years. Nice. And so we're just going to bounce back and forth. I've got seven. You've got seven. Um, beyond that, we don't have a we'll ton planned. <laughs> oh, I guess we're going to go quick. We're going really I'm late. It's late. <laughs> um, yeah, and we'll, so we're going to share a little bit here, reflect on that, and then we'll go to our, our communion and closing song. Um, so we're glad that you've been with us here today. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? You start. All right, I'll start. So insight number one. The first thing, as I was thinking about seven years of this, is that we had a saying that we developed pretty early on at Sojourn, which is, the story never gets old. The story never gets old. And what do, we, what do we mean by that? The story, in a nutshell, what we mean by that is, at Sojourn, we recognize that one of our, not our soul, but one of our primary demographics is that we are a safe and soft landing place for those who have um, a complicated, painful past with church and religion and church leaders. And oftentimes people will show up at Sojourn with that kind of like, all right, I'll give it one last shot uh, mentality. And they come and you you saw, you read during that video, the testimonials and some of the other blurbs that we put on the screen, people experiencing, oh, there is such a thing, like Angela said, as belonging just as I am and not having an expectation that I change. And so when we say the story never gets old, it's, it's, it's that moment of another person sort of discovers that religion doesn't have to be this tool of oppression and shame, but actually we can create this, this shame-free, radical, love, hospitality-driven church, um, and people find healing in it. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. The story never gets old. Every time we hear any of you share um, what that's been like for you. Truth doesn't get old. It's what keeps us going. It's why we keep getting up and doing this thing all over again. Um, okay. It's not just that there's a season for everything. We know this saying, right? This old Bible verse for everything. There is a season, a time to mourn, a time to laugh, all the yada, yada. 
But what I've learned from all of you in the last seven years is that it's not just that there's a season for everything, but that in every season is everything. Ooh, um, I like that. We don't have seasons of right now I'm mourning and then tomorrow I'll be joyful. Every moment, every season, every experience we go through in life holds it all. I've never met a person coming through the doors of Sojourn who hasn't simultaneously mourned and celebrated, danced and grieved. Y'all are always doing it all at the same time because that's life. And it's only when we um, have parts of us cut off or told not to grieve or, or disconnected, disembodied that we live in such a way that there's a season for everything. And I think it's just so much more true. What I've learned from you is it's so much more true that every season has everything in it all at once. Love it. Uh, I just want to, by the way, oh. people on the Facebooks, um, Kelly says, late is okay. Mercy says, I got time. Lisa says, don't rush. We don't have anywhere to be. So. <laughs> Y'all don't have plans? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my insight, insight number two, uh, I guess I'll say it like this. The metal... Sorry, the metal. The middle Not is messy. Metal. Even the word metal, middle is messy. The middle is messy. That was really good. So <laughs> the middle is messy is my second insight. And at first blush, that might sound like I'm talking about that kind of middle road centrist church where you don't really take a stand for anything. But that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about the messiness of the middle. What we've discovered and found over these seven years, this messy middle for us, is, I don't know, this sort of attempt to be on this knife's edge, this in-between space um, of where over on one sort of end of the spectrum, you might have this sort of more liberal approach to Christianity that still maintains some semblance of traditional ideas about God and the Bible and Jesus. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, a very, very post-Christian, very post-evangelical, even agnostic uh, approach to life. This sort of, this is the spectrum that I think Sojourn tries to hold. And we try, and that's the capital T, we try to to hold both sides or, or the whole spectrum, and it and it's messy. The middle, this middle is messy. Like we've, how many times over the years have we observed where we could give a, a sermon or a, a, a talk, a message at Sojourn on a Sunday morning, and if, let's just say it's like a, a typical old school Bible teaching Sunday, open up the passage, break it down, figure out its original meaning, figure out what it means for the life, we will inevitably hear from about half the church with the feedback of, oh, I love it when you teach from the Bible. I love it when you get all Jesus-y. Oh, that was so refreshing. And then, of course, the other half of the church will be like, yeah, so can you like maybe give me a heads up next time when you're going to get all Bible-y and so maybe I'll skip that Sunday. And then the very next Sunday, Truth. we'll have a message that has doesn't have doesn't ever reference the Bible, doesn't talk about Jesus. It's just, it's a different type of message altogether. And the feedback just gets reversed. The feedback is, I thought I was coming to a church. Yeah, I thought this was a Christian church. And then the other half of the church is like, oh, that was so good. I loved it so much. So um, my my insight is just that the, the, the middle is and can be messy. And this is just true. We've tried to hold a, a big space for a lot of people, knowing that we're not always going to get it right, but trying to invite people to, to move towards this messy middle. Um, I was even thinking about, like, what's the one thing that sort of unifies the entire spectrum? I think it's the Enneagram. <laughs> so I think we can do Enneagram series. But even that lately, I've noticed people be like, Enneagram again? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we've run out of our <laughs> magic card. Um, but anyway, so that's some insight into Sojourn these last seven years, this it's attempt to sort of be in that middle space, knowing that we have 
significant portions of the community that are very, very different from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Messy middle is really just it all belongs. That's really what that is, right? Um, okay, what's my next one? Oh, this might be my favorite insight that y'all have taught me over the years. Um, y'all have shown me that broken and whole are not opposites. The antithesis of whole is not broken. The antithesis of broken is not whole. Um, this is the first church that I've ever been a part of where wholeness is even mentioned, let alone is the mission of the church. Um, and so as we've sought after wholeness, even before we put into words that that was like explicitly that that was our mission, it was still what we were seeking after. And I have had the extreme privilege of walking with folks who come in to sojourn for the first time. They walk in and they are just shattered to pieces. They're just broken. Everyone who walks through the doors, they walk in just shattered to pieces. They're just broken to bits, broken, broken human beings. And then I've had the extreme privilege of walking with them and watching them move to wholeness, to experience wholeness. Like I get to actually see the journey from what they were when they first walked in the door to what they are now to where I just marvel it. Is that even the same human in there? Like you can see them carrying around that, that self they first were when they walked in the doors, but they're just a different person. But in that experience, what I've learned is that there is not one bit of any human's shatteredness that is lost as they gain wholeness. No one ever stops being broken to bits. In fact, the most whole humans I know and have experienced are the ones where that brokenness, that shatteredness is just right on the surface. Like you ask them their story and they'll just break and tell you every bit of the pain and the loss, the brokenness. Brokenness doesn't go away. Um, and so what I've actually realized is that when people become whole, they don't cease to be broken. They cease to have missing pieces of themselves which is why they end up actually being even more broken apart because all of that pain and all of that loss, everything that shatters them in their life, they hold right here. There's, none of it is missing anymore. They've found the pieces of themselves. They've reunited with the pieces of themselves that they were taught to disengage with, to be disembodied from, to be disintegrated from. Um, and they found integration and they are whole in the terms of not having any emptiness or missingness, but they're just shattered to pieces still. And it's my favorite paradox that exists. Broken whole people. Speaking of paradox, that leads to my third insight coming off of, yes, the middle is messy, but the magic, insight number three, is that the magic is in the tension. Like that is actually where some of the best stuff of life is at. It's no, it's no wonder that that as you look throughout the history of human civilizations, when you have sort of record of some of the most enlightened people, spiritual teachers, gurus that the world has ever seen, they all share this idea that paradox is the heart of truth. That the deeper you get into truth, the more you realize that there's tension and paradox. The yin and the yang, they are inherently connected. And so, yes, the, the middle is super messy, and it can be complicated sometimes to especially build an organization where you're trying to hold such a vast diversity. Like, did you know that one of the secret, top 10 most secretive surefire ways to build a church is to just have everybody believe the same exact thing? Mm -hmm. Like, you can build massive churches, which has been done all across the world, by just getting everybody to believe the right thing and follow the leader. Uh, and 
yeah, we've rejected that for all sorts of reasons. But for us, this, the tension found in the middle and some of the, some of my most favorite stories are when the, the aforementioned spectrum that I referenced earlier are watching those who are maybe on the far end over here realize, oh, I can actually let go of some of that to hold space for people over here. And then those folks realize, oh, I can actually let go of pieces of that to hold space for over here. And suddenly we're all sort of just orbiting around this, this common mission of wholeness. And I just, that's where the magic is at for me in that tension. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing that y'all have taught me over the last seven years is that each and every person is their own healer. Y'all don't come through the doors needing a healer. You are your own healer. Um, each person that I referenced before that I've watched you journey into wholeness, you took your hand and walked you there every time, every time. There are no exceptions to this rule ever. Um, what Kolb and I do is we sit with people and we hold space. We walk alongside you. When people ask us for advice, we say back to them, I think you already know. And we just repeat back to them what they've already told us. And then they make their own way. Everybody is their own healer. Love that. Uh, insight number four. Here's something that has been profoundly shouted into my face hole for seven years, and it's this. As it turns out, humans are generous, compassionate, and good. It is, it is easy, especially in this day and age, to go the other way with that humans are the worst and we don't deserve nice things. That's why we can't have nice things. Yeah, all of that has some truth to it, but I think what's more true is that humans are generous, compassionate, and good. And we've gotten a front row seat now for seven years to some of the most incredible acts of generosity and compassion that I've seen in my 20 years of ministry. Um, I just jotted down a few things here, but this is honestly just a sh really short tiny list. list. A tiny list that this community of Sojourn in seven years um, has reminded me just how amazing humanity is in that we have assembled and distributed hundreds of care kits. And care kits are like these self-contained packages for those who are living on the streets. Um, we have provided Thanksgiving meals for hundreds of uh, people, again, who, had, who are homeless. We have helped provide emergency shelters for those who are uh, suffering from refugee crisis. We have uh, an ongoing partnership with this incredible uh, children's home down in uh, Tijuana called Unidos Por Siempre. We've established, in the midst of some of the most uh, intense economic uncertainty uh, of, the, of this last year, we've established these helping grants that, like, we've only talked about money, I think, twice during the last year at Sojourn, and it was to say, hey, what if we created this pool of money called helping grants so that if people needed financial assistance during the pandemic, we could help them out as an organization? And you showed up for that. Incredible. Um, seven, speaking of money, seven years, we've now existed seven years as a church, as an organization, which is just phenomenal to Including me. Including one year in a pandemic. Including one year no of pandemic that, that we have, um, that we just, we're, we're paying the bills still. <laughs> this, is, this is still amazing to me. Um, and then just countless, countless examples of people helping people, of seeing a need arise in our community and then them just being inundated with care and kindness and compassion, whether that's emotional need or financial need or any other sort of need. Uh, God, I have seen over and over again these last seven years how gracious and generous and compassionate humans are. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely true that everyone is their own healer, and y'all have taught me that we heal in community. We heal alongside each other. 
Um, we all act as mirrors for each other. We act as these divine reflectors to see God in each other. Um, we walk alongside each other and hold each other up when we need to go through that beautiful stage of healing where you can't even move. Um, healing just can't happen without each other. So we're each your own healer and we heal together. My fifth insight is this, is that uh, our name is Sojourn. And we embody that name. <laughs> like when we, when we chose this name seven years ago, it was largely driven because it articulated this deep belief that we had that life is about the journey. And the word sojourn is about a short stay somewhere. And we're like, life is kind of like that, where especially the spiritual life is like that, where you're just, you're constantly moving and growing and evolving. Uh, you might even say that transformation is the point. And in the last seven years, I've, I've seen that on, in so many different ways and so many different levels um, that we have really embodied this name of being Sojourn. Uh, we've seen people show up and, have, like you said earlier, move through this incredible healing and wholeness discovery journey where the goal is not to just get people to a certain thing and then be like, all right, you've done it. Now you're good to go. Let's sort of lock you in and help you disciple others to get to that point. It's like, all right, you got to this point. Cool. What's next? What's next? Like, how can you keep being open to that? Um, and I just, I, I've, I've loved watching this community embody this sojourn mentality of growth and transformation and development. And I'll just add this really quick. I was thinking about this one that we're over here. This, this idea has been especially true. Um, this idea that transformation is the point and growth and maturation is expected and encouraged. This has been especially true at a leadership level. And what I mean by that is for many, 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 if not most pastors and churches, um, growth and change is like a death knell. Like it is discouraged for most pastors to change, to grow. No wonder churches evolve. are so unhealthy then. Mm -hmm. Like you, you just sort of keep the status quo and you, so, so many pastors in our, in our world are afraid to grow, are afraid to ask questions, are afraid to get curious about their own faiths because the system depends on them not doing that. Mm -hmm. And we have just, I mean, we've had different iterations of ourselves for seven years now. Like Our system depends on us doing something. Right. Yes. And, and you, the community <laughs> yeah. and the leadership and the board is constantly. Um, Keeping that in check. Keep it, no, I was going to say like been supportive of that. Like, it's just, it's not a, it's not a big deal if Kate and I change and grow and evolve. In fact, it's expected. So. Yes. Um, my sweet kiddos at Sojourn. I could have done all seven insights just about these kiddos, but when I started doing it that way, it got too much, <laughs> way too much. But this one insight I wanted to share about Sojourn kids, um, so before we started Sojourn, I was the pastor of children's ministry at our last church, and we followed a we very strictly followed a um, church curriculum that was written by someone else. You know, and we just used all of the the resources and followed that strictly. So there was like exact ways that you thought about things and did things, and it was still it was a more open experience. You know, what do you think, kids, than I'd ever experienced previously. Um, it was very progressive and inclusive, but it was still a very strict curriculum that was like, it was in a tradition, right? It was giving kids Christianity, and which is beautiful, totally beautiful. It's great. And when we started Sojourn, I had this giant dream um, from growing up in all of these evangelical 
Sunday school environments where I'd also worked and helped build children's ministries and then having that one experience at a progressive church of leading that. When we started Sojourn, I had this wild, wild dream. Do you remember how feisty I was about it? Oh, yeah. I don't know that I've been more fiery about anything. I don't know what was in my head, but I just knew that, like, that's where I wanted to go. I could see it, and I just insisted that we do it that way, which was the way of, like, not giving our kids a doctrine or, like, not not even handing them even a progressive or inclusive version of Christianity. Because I believed in my bones that if we handed kids, if we handed kids themselves, they that they could do it all on their own, and that that was better. <laughs> it was a more whole way to do it. Um, the insight is this: kids don't need to be taught spirituality; they actually need to be protected from our propensity to rob them of it. Yeah. Um, because we will. I mean, kids are born because we're all inherently spiritual beings. They're born practicing a flourishing spirituality. Have you ever met a more curious being than a four-year-old? No. Right? So they need to be protected from our robbing them of curiosity and magic and joy and grief and expression and um, emotional intelligence and feeling, which they have all on their own the second they're born. It's almost like if you don't have faith like a child, you will struggle to see the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Uh, insight number six is that this church planting, growing, leading thing in seven years has simultaneously been far harder and far more rewarding than I ever would have imagined. Both hand. Yes. Both hand. I read a uh, report the other day. Um, about how one-third of church plants are just out of existence by year four. They don't make it to year four. And here we are at at, uh, at year seven. And so you add the church plant statistics, and you just add small business, how hard it is to start a small business, and then add a layer of it being a nonprofit, which makes it an additional challenge. And then add on top of that that part of how— part of our main constituents are people that don't really like church and don't want to go to church. There's just, there's a lot of layers that make it, uh, make it so that this experiment um, is both shocking to me that it's still around and also not because we just see how important it is and how good the work is. So anyway, so just, I've been conscious of, man, I think if I would have known, and granted, before we started Sojourn, I'd been in full-time ministry for, I don't know, 13 years at that point. So I wasn't, naive to the world of full-time ministry, but I was unaware what it would be like to start something from the ground uh, and to be, for lack of a better term, the sort of co-leaders of the thing, rather than I'd always been in a supportive role. Um, hard. If someone would have really just sort of laid out, here's realistically what it's going to be like, I don't know that I would have signed up for it, honestly. And we, Anyone and, hiring at Costco? And, we, and we've been dreaming about church planning for years um, mm-hmm. prior to that. Uh, so it's just hard. It's, it's been really hard. And also, at the same time, this has been far more rewarding than I could have dreamed. Far more rewarding than I could have dreamed. Kate and I are regularly in awe that we get to do what we do with you all, with this community. We get to help people find and discover and move toward greater levels of spiritual, social, and emotional wholeness. Like, I just don't know that life gets... But I don't know if that's the meaning of life, but that's the meaning we're making out of our life. And it has been really, really good to get this front row seat. It's just, 
I don't know. It's been harder and far more rewarding than I could have ever imagined. I concur. Hey, you know what else y'all have taught me? Um, you've taught me, and I feel like you reteach it to me every week, probably, because this is a hard one for me. And I think it's hard for all of you all, too. And so it's not like the teaching is one way. I feel like it's this cyclical teaching that, like, you teach me, and, and it just goes in this circle of reteaching each other all the time because we forget that we can't love our light if we insist on hating our shadows. Oof. I'm going to heart that one. <laughs> this heart on Facebook is for that. And Sojourn has this unique ability to teach that deep spiritual truth. I believe it is like a universal deep spiritual law. Like that's just how the world works. You can't not have that. It's just, um, it's an organic truth about life. And I feel like Sojourn has this unique way of bringing that truth to light and having people live in it because people are, um, they're coming in and they're facing head on that lie that they were told that was the exact opposite. Yeah. Like they're, they're directly addressing being told that, you know, you were born inherently evil and all of that shitty theology that we were all taught that like, you deserve to die for all of eternity, but Jesus saved you by God killing him. Like, all that stuff, we're addressing it head on, which just leaves us, like, broken wide open with, okay, then what? I'm supposed to look at the fact that I might be good? Ah, that's so hard for us. And so I find that people are constantly going, but what about, but what about, but what about, even those of us who are the most fierce in our belief that like you're worthy, you're good, or like you said, that worthiness isn't even on the table. Like it's not a question. We're just loved children of God. Like even those of us who most adamantly believe that on a cognitive level, our very bodies are still going, but what about, but what about, but what about, but what about? And it's that final, I don't want to call it final because obviously the whole growth thing is cyclical. But it's final to something, to, to a specific healing journey and spiritual wounding. It's the final step of deciding that you will love your shadows. That, that's the one that sets you like yeah. over that giant hurdle and into just regular life of healing wounds and not just the spiritual wounding. That get, you know how we get like yeah. so, we're just so overwhelmed by our spiritual wounding and all that spiritual abuse, abuse and baggage that we're carrying with us that like it's as though that's our only life pain. And that final hurdle past that to where you can just, like, live is learning to love your shadows. Oof. I've seen y'all do it. It's beautiful. I was going to say, I'm seven years in. I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. um, all right, my final insight, seven insights in seven years is this. I believe, or I'm, I'm discovering, that knowing who you are might be more important than knowing where you're going. I say this just as someone who has um, been tasked with one of the roles of holding on to the vision of the church and casting the vision of the church. Honestly, y'all, I don't know that we've really ever had a vision. <laughs> Our vision is this. What? Um, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that we ever, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I know it's very common and it's expected and you're supposed to be able to have like a three-year, five-year, 10-year plan and all Kate and I have ever come up with are blank stares for that. So that either is just a deficiency in our leadership, which I completely submit as a possibility, uh, and or possibly 
What I'm learning is knowing who you are might be just as if not more important than knowing where you're going. And what I mean by that is this. Um, what are, who, we've, we've tried to know who we were going to be from day one of this in terms of what our values were going to be. Like, what, how are we going to conduct ourselves? We may not know what we're going to do, where we're going to go, how this thing's going to unfold, but we know who we're going to be. We're going to be people who are driven by values of inclusion, uh, diversity, um, a, a heightened centrality of the of family and children, and we're going to be about the work of making peace in the world um, and being about the social justice. Like we've known, we're going to be the types of people. What that's going to look like, where it's going to take us, not entirely sure. Don't. By the way, we're seven years in, and I, we still don't have a three or five or ten year plan. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Our chair of the board right now, Stephen, is like, God damn it. <laughs> so, um, and again, love I, you, Steve. I, there probably is ways you can do both of those things, but for us, I think we've just. Like, you know what? We will, we will, we promise. Our values, we're not, we're not budging on our values. We're going to be who we believe we are called to be. And then, yeah, and then we'll, we don't budge on. And then we'll improvise from there. We know the key that we're playing the song in. We're just going to be jazz musicians along the way, improvising and adding and being able to shift and pivot and turn wherever we need to go. But so. Thanks for laughing, Stephen. I was just teasing. <laughs> um, I just needed to pretend someone was mad at us. And I know you're not actually, so. All right, my final um, insight that I've learned from y'all over the last seven years is that not everything happens for a reason, but everything holds within it an invitation. Um, I grew up with that idea of everything happens for a reason taken to the very unhealthy extreme, right? Or like the big old white dude with the scepter on his throne up there is going, now you shall be hurt in this car accident and then this person is getting cancer. Oh, I have a reason for it. You know, like that version. So weird and unhealthy. Your impression, right? Thank you. My impression of God. Um, anyway, <laughs> I grew up with that. And so when we started Sojourn, I remember I was really, um, well, again, really fiery about keeping all of those platitudes out of our space. I was like, if we're starting our own church, we are going to grieve. And one of the first, if not the first, series that we did was one that I made us launch, and it was just called Pain. Pain. (laughs) (laughs) Just a series called Pain. I think the first one was Noah, and then you're like, and now Pain. And now I'm starting a series that's going to be called Pain. (laughs) The first sermon I ever gave in my entire life was called Holes, and it was all about how broken we are as human beings. I don't want to be too heavy on getting (laughs) ground. Anyway, but yes, Enneagram personality is always who I'm going to be. And it was just coming from this place of like, we will not do that. We will be a place where we address everything. And so that that idea of everything happens for a reason was to me. And then you do that thing where you, I mean, y'all, I've healed with you in community with you and you grow and you come back to that place of like transcend and include. And it's not that I'm now going to go around going, everything happens for a reason, but there's this like, You've, you've all shown me that as you sit in spaces where you can just sit in your pain together and be real, that in that there's always an invitation, um, which isn't the same thing as the God up there moving the chess pieces. It's something entirely different. It's this choice we have to make meaning out of our lives and, um, and not even making meaning, just responding to an invitation, an invitation to growth, an invitation to connection, an invitation to wholeness. Um, in every little thing that happens to us. And I've, I've never watched any of y'all walk through any of your fires without 
responding that way to it with some sort of invitation. Mm -hmm. And it's gorgeous. You're gorgeous. Also, you're gorgeous. Thank you for your comments. We got some we got some love and support for having no vision. <laughs> Mercy says, hooray for no vision. Jazz says, no wonder I like y'all. Uh, Lisa Lair loves those values. Thank you so much. Laura says, good. Don't budge on that stuff. Uh, I like Michelle Elder saying, at seven years, I think you can now call it retroactive three and five year plan. Oh, I like it. <laughs> of course, Michelle would say that. Thanks, Michelle. Uh, my nephew, Elias, really wants to say hi. So hi, Elias hi, buddy. Reed. I love you. And Mercy's like, pain? No wonder I love you all. Yeah. Oh, anyway. We love you. Thank you, you, love you. It's all been of you. It's a beautiful seven years. For being with us, not just today, but for however long you've been with us, whether it's been seven days, uh, seven months, seven years. We love you. Um, we're gonna now. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I'm gonna go make mimosas. We have just a few more testimonials that we want to oh, read from people right. uh, from from sojourners as they share what this place has meant to us. So Ben's gonna cue a little bit of background music Hope for us. Hope you didn't have any plans. And then we're gonna just read a few more testimonials. Thank you all for sending them in. And I'll say, <laughs> I'll say this. Um, <laughs> I the the invitation. Well, the, I don't know. This could be better. This could be. It all belongs. The invitation. <laughs> what is that? Was I, I, we invited people just send us a sentence or two reflecting uh, on your experience with Sojourn? And oh. what I noticed was all the people who have been here in the last year mm-hmm. followed that rule pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> what we're what we're about to read it to you are people that have been here for years <laughs> and don't really that care what sense. the leadership says. <laughs> So they, they have figured more it out. to say because <laughs> it's more it time. <laughs> and they know they don't have to follow the rules. <laughs> I just couldn't help but notice the correlation really of the funny. years and all that. So I'm gonna make right. mimosas while we got some we sound do this. going. And uh, we're just gonna we're gonna share the load here. We're just gonna read. So thank you all of you. Um, and I'm I'm gonna start by reading uh, Robert Nichols. Uh, post. So Hi, this is Robert. from Robert Nichols, who's been a sojourner since 2016 with his family, Michelle. Um, perfect. Love it. All right. Robert says this. Before we found Sojo, I used to write a blog called, quote, One for Jesus, named as such because it appeared to me that so few in mainstream modern American Christianity were trying to follow what Jesus actually taught. Much of the time, I felt like the only one. I felt we would never find kindred spirits out there trying to practice the love and the grace and the compassion that Jesus modeled. The whole come one, come all, just as you are kind of love that was reflected in so many of his parables. And then we found Sojo, an entire church of people already practicing the brand of Christ following that we've been calling for for so many years. Now, Robert says, I don't have to write that blog anymore. (laughs) I can plainly see the truth right in front of me every week. All along, my people were here. I was never actually the only one. I get to read Amanda, yay. This is from Amanda Wallace, sojourner since 2018. What if I just cry through the whole thing and I can't get her words out? The thought of wholeness scares me, if I'm being honest. There's a finality to the concept, an end date. And while on the topic of things that scare me, I'd put church near the top, next to white sharks and exploding juice bottles. (laughs) Church was not a part of my childhood fabric, 
And it wasn't until the cosmic meeting of two men who I now call my family that I choose invited me to attend. Would I ever have considered it? Church was the patriarchy, the far right, the closed-minded, the pro-lifers, them. Opening myself to the possibility of the possible has unwound me. The knots I've spent my life keeping tangled, wittingly or not, have found themselves softened bit by bit each week. My messiness of mind and soul has become no less full of color and volume, but the pain that bound it all has given way to an understanding of something bigger. Something that includes magic and hope and the laughter of my children and my dearest friends. And in Sojourn, I find the truest meaning in letting my heart and my head rest and find my way to being accepted and accepting of a community that are all on their sojourn to being whole or unwound. It's all the same in its absolute unique shape. Love you, Amanda. I have Missy Sotino, who's been a sojourner since 2015. Miss you, Missy. Uh, like many of you, this church has taught me so much about the freedoms we have in our relationship with God. This has been crucial to my life, to know that I am free and I am loved when I am 100% open about who I am. Game changer. Thank you, Kate and Colby, for your persistence and courage in continuing the journey to this place. Your life has been blessed by all that you've learned through the process of getting to this moment. And now we're all blessed as you pass on the knowledge and wisdom you have gleaned to us. I know that God has brought us all to this place for his purpose. Happy birthday, Sergio. Hi, I'm Mark Keyes, and I've been a sojourner since 2014. <laughs> seven years, holy moly. That makes it seven years minus a week since I found my way to Garfield Elementary and, upon venturing inside, found friends that I had missed and family that I hadn't yet met. I heard Pastor Kate speak for the first time, and every word she spoke made my heart sing. While I remember talking with her that day, I don't remember what I said, because my heart sang so loud it was hard for me to hear anything else. The next week, I returned to give Colby equal time, and he greeted me by name. I'd spent two years at my previous church, and I had the feeling that no one knew me by name. Then the third week, well, that Sunday morning, driving to Sojo, I knew I was home. Happy anniversary, Sojo. Joel B. Lopez, Sojourner since 2014, says, From day one, Sojourn has shown me that I don't have to anymore. I don't have to try too hard. I don't have to worry anymore what people might think. I don't have to care if I'm not at my or anyone else's perceived 100% before showing up. I don't have to fake a smile if I'm having a bad day or in a crabby mood. I don't have to always be on. I can show up as I am in all my chaos, ugliness, and the beautiful disaster that I am. And I know I'll be embraced as such or left alone to hang in the back of the room until I'm ready to be embraced as such. I don't have to and that will be enough. And I will be loved even still. And I don't have to do anything to feel worthy of that love. <sighs> this is from Lisa Lair, Sojourner since 2017. I'm going to attempt to refocus the camera by staring at it. <laughs> It was great how it sort of focused on the back row when they were reading, and now... Maybe it'll... it'll... There we go. Ah. <laughs> Thanks for hiding back there. <laughs> Cover your eyeballs. <laughs> Lisa writes this. 
Joining Sojo four years ago was a surprise to me because I hadn't been in church for over a decade and wouldn't have thought I'd end up with the crowd so much younger than me. The space that Kate and Colby created and held open was such a huge draw that I stuck around on the edges, or stuck around, but on the edges, mostly watching. Then, this past year happened. I saw the leadership team pivot and create an amazing online sacred experience, one that drew me in even deeper than our in-person services had. As the pandemic raged on, California churches were fighting to reopen. I'd been in strict isolation for a couple months at that point, and I knew I wouldn't be able to join Sojo in person. I figured that my church of young people would reopen, and I was happy for them. Then, the leadership made the announcement and said, we've decided we won't go back to in-person meetings until all of us can meet in person. We're in this together, and there are those whose health mean we can't... And there... And... Sorry, we're in this together, and there are those whose health mean that can't, they can't meet with us. So we're going to wait till it's safe for all of us. Lisa says, I cried. I felt seen. I didn't feel so alone. My health struggles actually weren't a burden that made it more difficult for the community. My health struggles had been respected and considered important enough to not put me or others at risk. That was a moment of wholeness for me of belonging, of knowing that I was in the middle of Sojo and not just on the edge of this dynamic community. Somehow that one decision by the Sojo leadership healed a wound I didn't realize the depth of and brought me healing and wholeness. All of me was seen and accommodated. Thanks, Lisa. Last one. Nicole Sabel-Stoltz. I love you so generous since 2014. Nicole says, I have a beautifully uncomplicated relationship with Sojourn that keeps my soul alive. I can't can't do these. Why did anybody give me any of these? (laughs) You see, I hate commitment. I want to be part of the group while staying on the outside of the fold. I want a community with people who see and love me as I am, but I want slash need distance and alone time. In my professional world, I'm a public servant, and that often means being on all the time for all the people. I don't want that in my faith life. I grew up with always having to be on and or play the church game. Prior to COVID, you'd see my family sporadically at church, and it was okay. Currently, I want to hardly ever participate in anything live, but you can damn well bet that I am binge listening (laughs) to sermons and podcasts every few weeks, speaking to and about this place and fully partaking in a way that is not restrictive or overwhelming in either direction. And while I'm not fully pleased with this distancing self, I know that it is the phase I am in on this current journey. And when it's time to step up and step into being a full-on church-going, faithful sort of person again, Sojo will be there, welcoming me with open arms and celebrating the progress of my journey, never forcing me to conform to something or someone I'm not. And that will be what keeps me participating with them for as long as I'm here. I don't know what all of that blithering means, <laughs> but here's, here's a short blurb if you need it. Well, we didn't just share the short blurb, girl. We love your whole message. I love this place, and I'm grateful for its existence. I can't believe it's been seven effing years. Seven effing years. Thank you, everyone who shared. A large portion of Sojourn's financial support comes from listeners like you people who hear messages like this one and want to express their gratitude for our ministry 
or who are simply thrilled to know that a church like Sojourn exists. Or maybe you can't attend services on Sunday mornings, yet you still consider Sojourn Grace Collective your spiritual community. If that's you, and if you'd like to partner with us in this work, please visit sojourngrace.com partner where you can make a one-time donation or sign up to be a monthly supporter. Also, don't forget that we stream our services live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific on both our Facebook and YouTube pages. And if you missed us live, you can always rewatch the video playback later or subscribe to this, our Sojourn podcast. It was an honor to have you with us today. As you go about your week, may you take with you the words we say at the end of all our gatherings. Be brave because you are a child of God. And be kind because, well, so is everyone else. Thank you.